morning. I'm Tom Searcy. And I'm Tanya Overdorf. Hasn't this been an incredible journey we've taken together called 40 Days in the Word? You know, the Bible is a map, but it's also a compass. It guides our entire life. And if you let it into your heart, if you study it, read it, and in your small groups with other people talk about it, you'll find yourself changing into what God designed us to be. Tom, I think it's really important what you just said about the Bible being a compass because I know certain people don't like to ask for direction. Would there be anybody in particular? Well, that would be probably you and my husband. But that's okay. The Bible's important because it is a compass. It's our guidance. It's our leader. It's everything we need to work our everyday life. We're six weeks in. We've got another week to go. So let's get started. morning. Today's a great day for several reasons. First, this is the sixth week of 40 Days in the Word, but second, not most important, but second, today is National Day of Coffee in America. So if you're like me, at 5.30 this morning, I went into Starbucks, like, you had a free cup of coffee today. It's already going to be a great day. National Cup of Coffee Day. Rain can't hold us down. National Cup of Coffee Day. It makes me very, very, very excited. Hey, I'm glad to be with you for our sixth week of 40 Days in the Word. Next week, we conclude this incredible series. But over the last 40 days, hopefully we've come to the point of realizing that for order, in order for us to achieve all that God has for us in life, all that God has desired for us, the plans that we can never dream of, that we have to become a man or a woman of the Word. Now, it's hard for us to become a man or a woman of the Word because really it talks about how do we integrate God's word into every area of our life. I mean, I want to integrate God's word into my life. I really do. But the reality is, you can probably agree that we're just so busy, right? We go from here to there, from, from one spot to the next spot, to one meeting to the next meeting. I mean, I sometimes think about this, God, I have 30 seconds, quick, speak to me, right? And that's not how we become a man or a woman of the word. In order to become a man or a woman of the word, we have to let it integrate every area of our life. The opposite of integration is segregation, to compartmentalize our life. I mean, we have, if you're like me, maybe you're not, but I have this pie, and I have a piece for family, I have a piece for raising kids, I have a piece for work, I have a piece for recreation, I have a piece for something else. I mean, they never intersect. I, don't, I, really, I look really hard making sure that this piece doesn't intersect with this piece, and this piece stays right there. It's a life of segregation. If you really think about it, that idea leads to a life that's not um, integrated and leads to a life that lacks integrity. Because integrity comes from that word integration, where who we are in one area of our life is who we are in every area of our life. And that's the idea that we're going to try to like piece apart this morning through the memory verses that we've gone through. Is how do we integrate God's word into every area of our life? Now we've learned six memory verses over the last six weeks, not just here on the weekends, but also in our small group. And hopefully this morning we'll be able to, to take these memory verses that we've already memorized and we'll begin to integrate, we'll lay the, the groundwork, the framework for how we can integrate God's word into every area of our life. Psalm 119.20, David says this. I want you to catch this. He writes, what I want most of all, 
In other words, the number one priority in my life, what I want most of all, and at all times, not just on the golf course, not just um, when I'm playing with my kids or I'm at work or I'm at home, but in every area of my life and at all times, is to honor your laws. He says, what I want most of all and at all times is to honor your law. So let's look at how we integrate God's word into our life, how we take these six memory verses and integrate them into every area of our life. Number one, we integrate God's word into our life when we understand that we must build our life on the word of God. The foundation of our life is the word of God. If we're to live this God-centered life, if we're to live this life that's centered in the foundation of our life as the word of God, we have to understand Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. This is what Jesus says. He writes, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who has built his house on the rock. And Jesus just gets done giving the Sermon on the Mount, where he talks about the Beatitudes, he talks about marriage, he talks about divorce, and so many other things in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, listen, if you want your life to be focused on these things, if you want to do these words, the foundation of your life has to be the Word of God. It's like a wise man who builds the foundation upon a rock. And when we build our life, the foundation on the truth, we understand that truth never changes. We understand that we can have total confidence that the foundation of our life is in something that doesn't change. Even when the winds come and the rain and the trials and the difficulties of our life come in, we can rest assured in knowing the foundation of our life is upon the Word of God. We spent the first week talking about why we can trust the Bible, that it's the book of books, that it's not just um, a book. In fact, it's a living breathing, it's a living document, it's active, it has the power to change us. That's how we can rest assured in the founda- that our foundation can be the Word of God. It's truth that never changes. I think about, so often, so many things that we put our, our trust in. And I know none of you are like this, but some people put their trust, and just some people, they put their trust in popular culture. Right, of what's popular at the time. If it's popular, then we do it. If it's not popular, then we don't do it. So the only problem with that is that if it's not popular at a certain time, we don't do it. We turn the TV on and, and it tells us, oh, this is no longer cool. This is no longer popular. So our foundation, our, the way we look at life changes week to week if, if we base our foundation upon popular culture. It changes week to week. Not only that, but some people... Um, Some of us, we base our foundation upon tradition. I mean, tradition isn't a bad thing. In fact, something becomes a tradition because it's a good thing, because it works. But over time, tradition loses its luster. Over time, tradition begins to fade, fade away. Two months from now, it's hard to believe, but we're going to be in the middle of holiday season. We just um, are over Thanksgiving, and we're going to be in the middle of holiday season. And so many of us have traditions that we do. Now, the tradition in my home, I married into this tradition. It's a great tradition. My wife is Italian. She grew up in Rhode Island with this Italian family. On Christmas Eve, every year, Italian homes, guess what they do? They have this incredible fish seafood dinner. Any kind of seafood that you can think of, crab legs, shrimp, lobster, um, swordfish, 
uh, any kind of fish that you can ever imagine. It, just for a family of 10 people, there is enough fish um, to feed you for weeks. It's just their tradition. It's a great tradition. That's the best tradition, marrying into that family, is there's so many more, I, I don't mean to say that wrong, but there's so many more, but the best tradition that we have is the Christmas Eve seafood, seafood dinner. And you have a tradition. There's something that you do with your kids. Why? Because maybe you did it when you were growing up and you liked it. Or you go over to grandma's house at, at this time and you open up a gift on Christmas Eve. I mean, so many different traditions that we have. But over time, tradition fades away. Tradition cannot last because it's built by Built by man. The only thing that will last forever is truth. The word of truth. Who is Jesus Christ? And he revealed and he has revealed himself through the written word. So not only is it tradition, is it popular culture, but some of us base um, our foundation upon reason. What I mean by that, reason, is that we, we, we think in our mind, this is a great decision, I'm going to make this decision, it, it makes total sense, but in the end... It was a bad decision. I know none of you raised your hands, but how many of you thought at a time, this is a great decision, I'm going to base this decision, and it's going to be incredible how it's going to turn out. Maybe you went into a job thinking this is an incredible opportunity, incredible job. Maybe you walked into a relationship and you thought, this is the person, and you come to find out two years later, this wasn't the person, that this wasn't the job, right? Because our reason is faulty. Our reason isn't infallible. We're not perfect. In fact, um, th listen to this verse. Proverbs 16, 25, it says, there's a way that seems right to a man, how we reason, it seems right that this is the right decision to make, but in the end, it leads to death. In the end, it leads to death. Why? Because our reason is faulty. We can't base our foundation upon how smart we are, because we're not perfect. It's not just reason, but also emotion. We base our foundation upon emotion. If I feel good, I'll do it. If I don't feel good, I won't do it. We're on this mood elevator, and everything, and it depends on how, what kind of mood we're in, depends on how kind of decision we make. And we can't base our foundation upon emotion because the truth is, emotions lie to us. We can't, they, can't be, they can't be trusted. Listen to what Rick Warren says about this very thing. It says, maturity, spiritual maturity is when we act according to our values, according to our convictions, and according to what's right, rather than what we feel like doing. Some of the incredible things in our world are done by people who didn't feel like getting up in the morning. I mean, my alarm goes off at 6 o'clock. I don't feel like getting out of bed. But I do it anyway because it's the right thing to do. You can't base your foundation upon feeling. The only thing that we can base our foundation upon is the Word of God. Because it's true. Because it lasts. Because it's the book of books. It's living and it's active and it has power. The Word of God is the foundation for our life. So we want to integrate God's Word into our life. Well, well, it has to be the foundation. Whatever we're clinging to, whatever we're holding to, has to be pushed aside and we have to make the word of God the foundation of our life. Number two, we integrate God's word into our life by feeding on the word of God. I must feed on the word of God. I must feed on the word of God. The Bible tells us that the word of God is spiritual food. And there's so many um, pictures, word pictures that the Bible gives us. It, it tells us that it's, that it's milk, that it's honey, that it's, um, 
that, that it's spiritual meat for our, for our soul, that it's the bread. It's everything that we need for spiritual sustenance. But in order to receive the spiritual sustenance, in order to tap into all that the Word of God is, we have to be feeding ourselves. We have to be feeding ourselves. Now, how do we feed ourselves? Well, number one is this. We have to come to the Word of God expecting something. When we walk into church or we open up the Word of God, we have to expect the Word of God to do something great in our life. If we just open it up and, and just say, well, okay, I have 30 seconds, speak to me real fast, we don't come with an expectant heart. In order to feed ourselves, we have to expect that we're going to be, that we're going to be fed. Number two, you have to hear it. I mean, the Bible tells us that faith comes from hearing the Word of God. Uh, we hear it several ways. We come to church. This is a great example of hearing the Word of God. Um, we do our drive-time devotions, our 40 days in the Word. We listen to a sermon on the radio. We have our iPhone. We have an iPod or I, um, an iTunes that we, that we listen to. So there's so many ways that we can hear the Word of God. In fact, sometimes at night, when I can't fall asleep or something on my mind, Oftentimes, I'll go to an Old Testament story, one of the great stories of faith, Joshua or Moses or even Joseph. And I'll just push play on the speak, on Bible, you version, and you can listen to it, and just listen to the voice speak the word of God. It's an incredible soothing thing. It, gives me, it activates my faith. But the only way that we can feed it is we have to hear it. We have to put it in our ears. Not just putting it in our ears, but we have to read it. We have to put it into our eyes. We have to take it in. We have to read it. We hear it, we read it, we study it. That's when we just, more, more than just hearing it and studying it, we're actually writing things down. Observations, themes that are coming up over and over and over again, we, we begin to write it down. We talked about this in so many ways to do it in our 40 days in the word study, where we pronounce it. It means we take a word um, in, in the scripture and we say it over and over and over again. And what does that one word mean? What does that specifically mean? And we write those thoughts down. What's the... What's the theme? What's the passage of Scripture? What's the thing that this, the, the author says over and over and over again? Maybe it's love. Maybe it's hope. Maybe it's faith. We write these ideas down. We study it. In order to get the correct interpretation, we have to study it. And having the correct interpretation allows us to have the accurate application for our life. And the only way to do that is to study the Word of God. Number four. We meditate on it. That's how we feed ourselves in. We, we, we meditate on the Word of God. That means we reflect on it in our mind. Don't raise your hands. But how many of us um, speak to ourselves? We talk to ourselves. I, I'm a big talker to myself. In fact, when I go into a meeting, I'll have the full conversation of how I want to say it, maybe the questions that will be asked of me. I will have this conversation out loud in my car, in my office, before I walk into a meeting. I want to get my pacing right. I want to make sure I sound smart. All those different things that will come up. I talk it over and over and over again. Yesterday, my wife and I were at a local um, department store. We were buying some clothes for our children. It's getting cool out and our kids are growing fast. So we had to get some long sleeve shirts. And I, I don't know what else she had to get, but we, we had to get different clothes for our, for our kid. And all of a sudden, there's this lady standing beside me. I thought she was just really nice, really sweet lady. I thought she was talking to me. But all of a sudden, I realized, that as, as I began to talk back to her, that she's just having a conversation with herself about whether or not she should buy this, these pair of pants for her grandson. She spent five minutes talking herself in to buying this $5 pair of pants 
for her grandchild. I walked away, I had a Heartland t-shirt on, I had to walk away. I didn't want to make her feel bad. I wanted her to come visit our church. But she literally spent five minutes talking herself into buying a pair of pants. And that's exactly the idea here. When we meditate on the Word of God, when we begin to reflect on our mind over and over and over again, talk it out loud, we begin to convince ourselves that the Word of God is true. We talk ourselves into buying into what the Word of God is telling us to do. We reflect over and over and over again what the Word of God is telling us to do, that it is alive, that it's active. We begin to meditate on that, reflect on it over and over and over again. It will change our outlook. It'll change our view. We meditate on the Word of God. That's how we feed ourselves. We can't integrate God's Word into our life if we're not feeding ourselves the Word of God. Number three, we integrate by living it out. We must live the Word of God out in our life. Look at what Psalm 119.11 says. He says, I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. He says, this is the reason that we hide God's word into our life. This is the reason why we integrate it into our life, that we might not sin against God. Taking it into our heart allows us to combat the evil one when he comes against us. Friends, the evil one is powerful. He wants nothing more than to destroy, to, to take away good things that God wants to do in your life. He doesn't, want to, he doesn't want you to achieve all that God has desired for you to achieve. And he'll come with us trying to trip us up, trying to push us off course. And the only way, Psalm 119, verse 11, the way that we can combat the evil one is by hiding God's word into our heart, by memorizing it. When the evil one comes, we're able to combat him with scripture. Think about Matthew chapter four. When Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, three times the evil one tempted him and says, hey, I know you're just on a 40 day fast. Um, turn these stones into bread. Jesus says, it's written, man will not live by bread alone. He takes him to the highest place and says, bow down before me and all of these things will be yours. It is written. Takes him to another place and says, I will give you all of the riches of earth if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus combats and says, it is written. It tells me a couple of things. That either Jesus had his morning devotions in Deuteronomy where all those passages are found in, or he has that scripture memorized in his heart so when the evil one comes against him, he's able to say, it is written. Because when the evil one wants to devour you, when the evil one comes against you, the only thing that can disarm it is the word of God. Because it's living and because it's active, it's powerful. It will pierce even to the dividing, the joints and the marrow. We have to live it. It has to be in us. We combat the evil one with memorized scripture. So if we're to integrate this into our life, if we're to take this next step and become this man or woman of the word and continue, not just for 40 days, but to continue this for a lifetime, we have to live it out. Number four, we grow. We grow through the word of God. You know, Pastor Darren mentioned in this series that the word of God is like a seed. That's that metaphor. That when it's planted into good soil, guess what happens? It produces a crop, it produces fruit. That's the idea here, that 
the word of God, the seed, is scattered. And we need a receptive mind. We need good soil if we're going to grow through it. If you have your Bibles, I'm not going to put it on the screen. In fact, fact, just, just listen to this story that Jesus talks about the seed. In verse 11, Jesus says that the seed is God's word to us. Okay, so just let's listen to this with that in mind. One day Jesus told this story to a large crowd that he gathered from many towns to hear him. The crowd is building. Jesus says this. A farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some seed, the word of God, fell on a footpath. It means just hardened soil, right? Where it was stepped on and the birds came and ate it up. The seed never went into the ground, never produced a crop. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. This seed began to grow, but it soon withered and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that it shot up and, and choked. Other seed fell among thorns, which is just basically weeds, where, where it shot up and the thorns began to choke it, to choke it out. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, the good soil. This seed grew and produced a crop 100 times as much had been planted. And when he had said this and called out, anyone who was willing to hear should listen and should understand. The seed, the word of God, we grow through it. If we have this this hard soil, that means we have a closed mind. That when the word of God is communicated, when the word of God, when we hear it, when we listen to it, and if we have a closed mind, it's not going to do anything. It means, and oftentimes we come to the word of God with a closed mind when we know what it's going to ask us to do, we don't want to do. It's going to be difficult. It's going to ask us to do something that we, that's going to make us uncomfortable. It's going to tell us to do something that we really don't want to do. So we come to scripture sometimes with a closed mind. Or sometimes we come to scripture when it's just fertile, right? We have an emotional experience and we come out of church and we forget it by the time we hit the car. It doesn't have any roots. It doesn't grow because we can't just expect a quick 30 seconds a quick 30 minutes to solve it it has to have soil where the roots can grow down deep and it takes time for roots to grow it takes time it can't happen if it's just this thin layer the superficial mind the superficial attitude the third is the soil with weeds i call it a preoccupied mind a preoccupied attitude where the weeds choke the word of God because I'm preoccupied with so many different different things. All circuits in my life are busy. I'm firing in every circuit. I don't even have time to rest. I mean, honestly, if I could cut off half of my schedule, then I would feel I'd be able to breathe. And I think that's the truth. I think the biggest issue in our culture, the biggest downfall for many of us is that we're just so busy. We have so many things going on that we're unable just to take time and let the word of God sink into our life. So many things pulling for attention that we're unable to experience the fullness of the word of God. We're preoccupied with so many different things. We have to eliminate the distractions. I tell, you know, many people that that I coach and people that I talk with, you know, find out what you're best at. What are you best at that only you can do and focus on those things. We can't get bombarded with so many things where we don't take time to grow spiritually. The best thing for any of us is to take time for God's word. We can't lead others spiritually unless we're being fed spiritually. 
we have to feed ourselves. We have to take time to be in the word of God. Get rid of the distractions. Number four, Jesus talks about that good soil. I just call this that willing attitude. That's the kind of attitude that when the word of God speaks, we do it. When it tells us to do something, we do it. Even though it may be difficult, even though I may not like it, we do it. It's that willing attitude that when the word of God speaks, we do it. And when we have that kind of attitude, when we have that kind of mindset, that's when fruit begins to be produced in our life over and over and over again. It's the willing mind. That's how we grow through the word of God. Similarly that, but number five, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna finish these last two up here. I've gotta act on it. I've gotta act, act on it. James 1.22 tells us this. This is a great memory verse. It says, do not really listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. It says, do what it says. Say that last part with me, ready? Do what it says. Again, hear me one more time. Do what it says. We spent six weeks going through this series of becoming a man or a woman of the word, of doing what the word of God tells us to do. I love our small group exercise. If you've been in a small group over the last six weeks, there's this project called the Micah 6-8 Project, where each small group is encouraged to do something together, to live out the word of God, to act upon what we've, what we've learned. Our small group next week is going down... Um, to the Ronald McDonald House, I think, to serve families whose children are in a tough situation medically. Just to love on them, to care for them, give them a warm meal. And we're excited about the opportunity just to live that out. And so many small groups are, are calling the church saying, okay, what, what can we do? What's a need the church um, has that we can meet right now? Is there follow-ups that can do? Is there hospital visits that we can do? So many incredible things are beginning to take place because we're taking the Micah 6-8 project seriously because we're acting out on the word of God. This is not, the word of God is not just for us to hear and for us to listen to and for us to study. And those are all important things. But if we're gonna be a man or a woman of the word, we have to live it out. We have to act on it. It has to be more than just words on a page. It's living, it's active. It has the power to transform. It has the power to change our community. It has the power to change families. It has the power to change our life. We have to act on it. Number six, we have to trust in it. It's one thing to act on it. It's one thing to grow through it. It's one thing to build our life upon it. But here's the kicker. We have to trust fully in it. We have to trust fully in it. Look at our memory verse for this week. Psalm 119, 105 tells us this, that the word, the word of God is a lamp unto our feet and it's a light unto our path. It's a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. Let me just tell you, that God is never going to direct you in the wrong place. He's never going to tell you to do something and leave you high and dry. Pastor Darren said this a couple of weeks ago, where God, where God leads, where God guides, he always provides. And that's the truth. That's the same thing in the word of God. When the word of God gives us a handle and tells us to do something, that we can trust fully in it. We know that where he's called us, that he's gonna guide, that he's gonna take care of us. You know, a year ago, 
when my wife and I were just going through a circumstance in our family that was beyond our control. We had no idea where we would end up, no idea where we would go. Only thing that we could say is, God, we're going to trust you. We're going to put our hope in you. And knowing that where you're going to guide us, that you're going to take care of us. That where you put forward, where you light the path, you're going to make this thing work for your glory. We didn't have all the answers. That was the hardest thing for me. I didn't have all the answers. I didn't have every I dotted, every T crossed. But we knew that if God was going to lead us, if God was going to guide us, that he was going to take care of us. You know, the last couple of weeks, our six-month-old is just waking up every morning at 2 a.m. On, on the dot. And I, I sleep fine, but all of a sudden I'll get this under the covers. Do you hear that? Well, well now I do. Sure. So can you please go, go put his pacifier in his mouth, his binky, and maybe you know, it fell off, off his crib, or can you, just, can you do that? Well, I make sure I don't turn the light on for my wife. And I know that if I turn the light on in his room, he's going to be more engaged. It's going to be harder to put him back to sleep. So I just go in there nice and soft, nice and quiet. And without fail, every single night, I stub my toe on the door, the crib, or a, a toy that our two-year-old leaves out. Every, I'm, ah. I'm like, are you okay? I'm like, no, I'm not okay. I, be, I have pain and discomfort every single night. Here's, here's the idea here. Here's the idea. I could avoid all of those things. I could avoid all the discomfort, all the pain, all the toe stubs if I was just to turn a flashlight on, on my phone, or turn a nightlight on. But instead, I think that I can do it. I'm stubborn. I'm full of, I don't need a light. I can do it fine. I always run into trouble. I always have some discomfort. Isn't that true with maybe sometimes our life? that we're closed in. We're in a dark area. We don't know which way to turn. Like maybe we're in a relationship where we know we shouldn't be in it. It's dark. Maybe we're in a financial situation where it is incredibly dark and we don't know our way out of it. Or maybe we're in just an issue at work that just beyond our control. We're struggling. It's difficult. It's dark. The Bible says, listen, that the word is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. That if we'll trust in it, it will tell us which way we should go. When we make the word a part of our life in every area, and we integrate it into who we are, it will light our path. We don't have to be stubborn. We don't have to be full of pride that we can lay that aside, and we can trust fully in the word of God. And when he tells us to go, that will go. When he calls us, we'll go. The word of God is powerful. It's living. It's active. It's a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. But the only way that we're able to receive that promise, the only way that we're able to step into that promise is by trusting fully in it. If you go to the Word in that difficult time and you just simply say, Lord, I'm trusting in you. I'm trusting in your fullness. I'm trusting that you know better than I know. And I'm going to turn the light on. I'm going to come to your Word. I'm going to trust and rest in it. It's amazing to see what He'll do in your life and my life.
how do we integrate God's word into our life? If we want to become the man or woman of the word and take what we've learned these last several weeks, this last month and a half, and begin to live it out for a lifetime, we do it by making the word of God our foundation. We can't rest in anything else. It has to be the foundation of the word of God. We feed ourselves with it. We hear, we read it, we study it, we meditate on it. We feed ourselves. We live it out. We memorize it. We allow the word to sink into our life that when the evil one comes to destroy and take good things away from us, to, to knock us off course, that we can combat the evil one with the word of God that we've memorized. We act it out. We, it's more than words on a page. But it's who we are. We act it out. And we trust fully in it. This last six weeks has been an incredible journey of becoming a man or a woman of the word. And as we conclude, as we go into next week and the weeks after, apply these six memory verses that we've memorized over the last six weeks. If we trust in it, we can become the man or the woman that God's called each of us to be. Do we see that this morning? I know you do. I know you do. Let's pray together. Let's pray together. So Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it calms our fears, that it enlightens our mind, it strengthens our will, and it grows our maturity. I thank you that it calms our worries and it leads us out of the dark. I praise you for the word of God this morning. All things that we have questions for in life can be answered through your word. So we thank you for it this morning. I pray specifically this morning for those in this room that have never invited Jesus, the living word, into their life. I pray that through this series, or even today as they've stepped in, that they would begin to ask themselves the question, what is the foundation of their life? That we understand that the only way that we're able to be a man or woman of the word is because of a personal relationship that we have with the living word. And so I pray this morning for that person who, who needs you, who needs your forgiveness, who needs your grace. This morning, if that's you in this room, and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, if you've never trusted the living word, if you just pray a simple prayer with me, just, just admit that you need Jesus, that you need the living word, that you've been trying so many other things to fill your life. You've been trusting maybe in popular culture, in reason, in tradition. And this morning that you're putting your faith and trust in the living word in Jesus. If you believe that, if you pray that prayer, the Bible says that you are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So Lord, I thank you for people in this room that are stepping over that line of faith, that are committing their lives to you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the power that it is, for the strength that we have through it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.